Thank you indeed. So in a moment, I'll offer the scripture from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, but many of you know the, the format of this Thanksgiving, the Sunday before Thanksgiving service. I take a word related to Thanksgiving, and each of the letters stands for something for which I'm grateful. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. But from Paul's letter to the Colossians, a passage wonderful for this time of year. Paul wrote to Christians of every century, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassion, kindness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, for just as God has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. But above all these, everything bind everything together in perfect harmony, and that which binds it is love. And be thankful. In whatever you do, in word or in deed, give thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And may these words which once transformed the early church's heart, transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. So I think this is the 26th or 27th year I've offered this Thanksgiving alphabet. I've done it enough that even the students of the Western Springs School of Talent Education, Patrick told me before the first service that they, they usually play on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, they call me the alphabet guy. <laughs> but this year's word comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians when he says, and be thankful. My word that I will spell is thankful. I don't do it so that you know things for which I'm grateful. I say this every year. I do it, I hope, as a catalyst for the things that you might be grateful for. I hope that in today or in the next couple of days or Thanksgiving Day, by yourself, with a friend, with family, you might spell thankful for yourself, your own litany of blessings. Now, I'm not doing this to fish for anything. I'm really not, so don't follow up on this. But it's always been funny to me. One year, the word I used had a letter B in it, and I mentioned how much I love bread, and bread's from all kinds of things. And I got baskets and baskets of bread. <laughs> and another year, I really am not fishing for anything this year, the word had a P in it, and I said I was thankful for Pinot Noir. <laughs> It was another great year, but um, <laughs> this year I'll spell thankful. But before I do, I want to um, remind myself and all of us that even if you are in a time of you're dealing with something sad or lamenting something or there's grief or disappointment on your heart, even in difficult times such as those, there are still blessings in our midst that we may very well take for granted. And some of those blessings, you already heard Kim Nichols mentioned one about the refugee family. I thought I'd lift up. If you find the ease of meal preparation on a stove, remember the millions that have no access to that kind of ease. 
If you have more health this week than illness, you are more blessed than the million people, one million people around this world who face a life-threatening disease this very moment. If you have enough to eat today, you are better off than the 500 million people who will not have enough to eat this very day. If you left for church and didn't even think that you might be harassed to go and worship God in the way that you please to worship God, you are better off than the three billion people around the world who cannot worship God the way they choose to. And finally, and this one is astonishing to me, if you even have just a few dollars in a checking account, or if all that you have to your name is the spare change in the coffee cup container in your car, if that's all that you have, you are still among the wealthiest 8% of the world. So even in the midst of sadness or heartbreak, there are still many things for which to be grateful. Blessings that we may not keep track of. And in that spirit, this is how I spell thankful in 2023. I'm going to preface it by saying there are two that I've used in prior years, but I use them in new ways and for different, mean, for different purposes. The first one is I'm grateful for teachers. And in particular, I've mentioned his name another year, I'm grateful for Mr. Aldo Mungai. But last spring, I went to Mr. Mungai's memorial service at Grace Lutheran Church in LaGrange. It was jammed. There were several hundred people there. And when I went to the reception and even the people around me, I realized that the majority of them were roughly 10 years older or 10 years younger than I am. And I asked a bunch of people, student, former student, former student, former student. And they all said, yes, that's why I'm here. Well, I have shared in years past that Mr. Mungai said to me, Mr. Kircher, when I was in his, a senior in his English literature class at Lyons Township, I know you're off to the university next year and your writing is not quite up to university level. And much to my annoyance, he expected me to come in an hour before school started to go over my essays, line by line, paragraph by paragraph. At the time, as I said, I was deeply annoyed. I have been ever since deeply grateful. But then at his memorial service, I realized there are hundreds of people grateful to Mr. Mungai for the gift of a teacher. So I hope that you will think of some teacher or teachers who have shaped you. You may not have loved it in the moment, but it was meaningful in the long haul. So I'm grateful for teachers, Mr. Mungai in particular. Thankful. H. Oh, I'm grateful. You have to help me with the spelling sometimes. I lose track of that. H. I'm grateful for both humor and honesty, and especially when they come together. The first year I did this, 26, 27 years ago, I did the whole alphabet, A to Z. <laughs> and seated right about there, right about there, was a young man who was about eight. He was in my son's class. I knew him fairly well. And I said, and Z. And I still can picture him. He put his head back and he went, oh, thank God. <laughs> and he's the same young man who six months earlier, I'm not kidding you, went out the door and he said, Pastor Rich, whenever you talk, 
you make me tired. <laughs> I'm grateful for humor and honesty. A, I'm grateful for another former teacher when I was in divinity school, uh, Phil Anderson. He was the professor of pastoral care. Many of you know that my predecessor, Bob Kemper, who served 25 years here, he, though, had Pat Phil Anderson as a young professor when Bob was in se seminary and divinity school. I had Phil near the tail end of his tenure. But he taught us lots of things about pastoral care, about grief counseling, marriage counseling, Jungian psychology, etc. But then I heard him when, as an alum when I went back, and he was in his 80s and came back to do a presentation for the alumni meeting. And he talked about what he had discovered late in life. His wife, Phoebe, had, her dementia had advanced rapidly. And what he talked about is trying to find joy now in this very difficult time. And here's what he said, and it, I think it speaks to every transition we go through, whether they are challenging, tearful, or even exciting transitions. Phil said, here's what I have learned after all these years, and it's counterintuitive. He said, goodbye comes before hello. Goodbye comes before hello in any transition. And he said, I had to say goodbye to what once was so that I could now say hello to this new relationship with my wife to find joy in it. It didn't mean that he was still not without sadness, but to be able to glimpse joy, he had to learn that goodbye comes before hello. I think that is profoundly wise. T-H-A-N. N stands for nature. That could be a cliche. I'm grateful for nature, God's creation. There's just no B in this uh, word in, in thankful, but I'm grateful for the gift in nature of a place called the Boundary Waters. To me, it's the most profoundly spiritual place I've ever been to. It's a wilderness canoe area. It's a million acres without a single permanent structure. I mean, no outhouse and not a single light bulb. It's considered one of the darkest skies in the world, and it's one of the quietest places I've ever been. I've been there 20 times, and it is to me, as I said, the most profoundly spiritual place I've been. I haven't been there in over five years, and I say that because I can kind of feel the ache in my bones that I've got to get back to the boundary waters sooner rather than later because it is such a touchstone for me. So I'm grateful for the gift of nature and God's creation, and specifically for a place called the Boundary Waters, where you can only travel by canoe. Okay, I always think of him around Thanksgiving and um, All Saints Day. I think of Bob Kemper. He was one of his favorite hymns was for all the saints. It makes me teary to sing it. But I also think of him around Thanksgiving because if you remember Bob Kemper, who, as I said, was my predecessor, Bob, in his 30s, lost the majority of his eyesight. He only had peripheral vision that was left. And he wrote a remarkable memoir about that entitled An Elephant's Ballet. And to me, the crux of An Elephant's Ballet is this thing, this discovery that he had, and it's just in a couple of sentences. And he said what he finally figured out is that when he, when he only lamented what he had lost, he continued to get worse and worse spiritually. He said he only began to heal 
when he was grateful for the blessings that still remained. Didn't mean he didn't lament the loss of his eyesight, but he said, I got worse and worse spiritually when I could not think of anything to be grateful for and I could only lament what was gone. But it was when I began to heal, when I was still grateful for blessings that remained. I mean, that is a message for Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for the things I learned from Bob. F. Some of you will remember the movie. I, I think of it as in just a recent movie. It's like 40 years old, apparently. I figured it is the movie Field of Dreams. I loved Field of Dreams. I love the vision. I love the idea. I love baseball. Those of you who have not seen the movie, Kevin Costner is the main character. He keeps getting these voices, and he sees in print, and he sees on the side of the road both names of people. He doesn't know how they're related. And he keeps hearing a voice saying, if you build it, they will come. He figures out he's supposed to build a baseball field in the middle of his Iowa cornfields. And the names that he keeps hearing and seeing are people he's supposed to gather and bring to it. And one of them is the name of an old country doctor who is actually in the storyline already dead, but he still has this experience of meeting him. And he brings him to the field and he hears the doctor's story. And the doctor's story is such that when he was a young man, before he became a doctor, he was a good baseball player and he had a chance to get a major league at bat. He was, the on, he was in the on-deck circle, the next batter, and he never got the chance. Well, he tells the doctor this, and then he brings the doctor, the doctor tells him this, he brings the doctor to the field, and when the doctor steps inside the line, over the, the foul line, he's transformed into a 19-year-old again who's on deck. And out there in the field, the 1919 White Sox is going to fulfill his dream. Well, behind him, while he's waiting to bat, is still the real world outside the lines of the field. And a little girl, Kevin Costner's daughter in the movie, is choking on something she's eating and falls off the bleachers. And the doctor turns around and he steps back out of the field, transformed back into an elderly doctor, and he can never go back. And they're like, oh, thank you for helping, but this is so terrible, such a tragedy. You were so close again to living your dream. And he said, no, no. The only tragedy would have been if I didn't get a chance to be a doctor and care for my community. What a great line. What a great teaching for Thanksgiving. Yes, he didn't live that one dream, but he lived a much larger one. I love that movie, and I'm grateful for the movie Field of Dreams. You, thank you. You, you use a hard one too, you know, this, I love the word thankful, but it's got you in it and it doesn't, you know, come easily. Um, but a friend of mine reminded me that one of the best prefixes around is the prefix un, U-N. He said it's known as the great eraser, the great undoer. And he said, you know, if you are tangled or abridged or altered, if you add that prefix, you are untangled, unaltered, and unabridged once again. I'm grateful for opportunities that give us a fresh start. And that reminds me of the prefix un, that often in life, if we're willing, we can start afresh. And L, this one I've done many times. I'm always grateful for the letter L. It reminds 
me of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians. L, of course, stands for God, right? Okay, I do spell well enough to know that God is G-O-D, but God really isn't G-O-D in the rhythm and pattern of our lives. The easiest and simplest way to spell God is L-O-V-E. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, the one thing that binds everything together is love, Paul wrote, and be thankful. May it be so. Amen. And following this blessing and benediction, please greet one another in the name of Christ.
And now may God support you all the day long until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, and the busy world is hushed. Then may God grant you rest, peace, and hope for tomorrow. Amen. Go in peace.